Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. All right, I'm good. Do you want to clap? Uh, yeah. Yes. Hey. Oh, well done, <laughs> Tommy. That was great. Uh, <coughs> All right. Well, somebody get us another drink. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theater Happy Hour, your weekly podcast with tipples and toe tappings. <laughs> what the heck is a tipple? A tipple? Like, a tipple. A tipple. Have you never heard that? No. Is that British, isn't that I threw up on you I've there? I've never, ever heard of that. Tipples sounds like the lost Teletubby. <laughs> Dinky Winky, Dipsy, La La Po, and Tipples. And Tipple. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, like a Tipple, you'd say, like, what's your Tipple? It's and t- you would say, ah, a gin and cranberry. <laughs> You know I mean? One, like gin and cranberry sounds gross. And two, <laughs> I'm drinking coffee today because okay, the, still recovering. That's fair. <laughs> well, I'm drinking uh, uh, branded drink. Oh yes, uh, a very can smiling. I can see. I can see your happy, smiling, golden-colored brand. Mm, very art-shaped. <laughs> Did you know Justin Timberlake wrote their jingle? I did actually. That's, I did. That's. I wonder how much money he made for what is like six notes. Well, I know. Well, Five I think notes. there was a brief song attached to it because I remember when that first commercial came out. Really? He was there. Yeah, he was there, and I think they released it. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Although, do you remember in uh-huh. branded uh, place that they had? I mean, we can say the name. I don't know why. I'm saying <laughs> <it>. <laughs> do you remember they had um, those little like. Uh, mini disc players but their own like it was like a cartridge with a song in it at and mcdonald's like, yeah 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 this i don't was remember like before this before the age of any sort of digital mp3 age we were talking cassette days um and you could get like a song stick it in this thing and play that must be another another britishism a mcdonald's britishism wow <laughs> but they, they do things like books now but... yeah that's probably better for kids Tune in next week for uh, <laughs> Jim and Tomic's fast food happy hour. Yeah, <laughs> I would totally do that. Anyway, another podcast. We'll add it to the list. Uh, speaking <laughs> of, our quiz question last week was, the title song of this musical is Heidi Blickenstaff's go-to cleaning song. What is it? It is The Light in the Piazza. i 
so you that you hadn't heard much about this. This is, I mean, I have been aware of A Light in the Piazza. Um, I'm, I, so in listening to Do it you again, you've been aware of like a light, just like <laughs> just once in the piazza, one, there was some light. So <laughs> it, it was a significant struggle for me because I could have sworn this was on Spotify and I kept looking up on Spotify, a light in the piazza. Oh no. And it would never come up. And I was like, what is up with this? But it's the, the, the light in the piazza. The, yes. Um, no, I had, I, so in listening to it again, I recognized some songs that I had heard before, but I didn't know this mm-hmm. show very well at all. Um, and so this is, it's very new to me. It's very interesting. Yeah. That's really exciting. Yeah. I don't think we've had this situation before. No, like something new to me. And I, there, no, it's, it's not like I had been avoiding it or anything, but you know how you, at least in my world, my knowledge of musicals is kind of divided into like three big categories. There's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know of most musicals just because of the world Mm -hmm. I live in, but there's shows that I have heard of and that's about where my knowledge ends. There's yep. shows that I know relatively well and listen to kind of casually. Because mm-hmm. once I've listened to a show once or twice, I feel like I know it pretty well. And then there's mm-hmm. shows that I've either researched or done yeah, or been in or like done a podcast on or a video on and that I know super well. But Align the Piazza might be the first one in that very first category for us, for me. There we at go. Least. Yeah. Well, I, I love it. Yeah? I, so what yeah. would you, what, how, for people like me, mm. how would you summarize this show? Well, I would call it almost like... A modern fairy tale. Um, <laughs> I can't. So basically, it's um, a mother and daughter, mm-hmm. Margaret and Clara, mm-hmm. uh, on the, one of their trips to Florence, Italy. Mm-hmm. Or just Italy in general, I guess. Um, and by a twist of fate, the wind blows Clara's hat from her head and uh, it is caught by a young Fabrizio Nacarelli. Um who and then it's just like instant love at first sight mm-hmm. um and it's kind of all about their journey to being together mm-hmm. um and the obstacles in the way of that uh <laughs> but kind of on the grander scale mm-hmm. it's just about love it is it's a show about in love as many shapes and sizes mm-hmm. um but i think there is something really like fairy taley yeah to it yeah because i think uh, in many ways like the very basic story mm-hmm. um is really simple yeah it's a love know? story <clears throat> yeah it takes place over well i guess a, a, a week or so a week or so <clears throat> it's a very intense um whirlwind whirlwind yeah and it, it reminds it reminds me a lot of like romeo and juliet and mm-hmm. uh these things um these things <laughs> just romeo, romeo and juliet, juliet. except uh, happier ending than romeo and juliet <laughs> exactly thankfully um and yeah it's, a lot of it's very idealistic but mm-hmm. kind of under the surface there's all of this other stuff brewing as in many fairy tales there always mm-hmm. is there's always you know someone's always dead or mm-hmm. you know there's a curse or something yeah um and i feel that it's kind of similar to that. I um, I didn't put this in the show notes, but it struck me. Mm. I was listening to it right before we started recording. Mm. Um, this musical, if I were to describe to a theater person, yeah. I would call this the Glass Menagerie, the musical in Italy. <laughs> With maybe a happier ending. Yeah, well, definitely a happier ending. Um, but yeah, I think so. Like mother, daughter, so. you know, different feelings about the courtship of their daughter and the daughter has a deep secret that mm-hmm. may or may not get in the way of her love mm-hmm. um 
Yeah. It's very and, and again, I feel glass menagerie is also very like, oh, da, da, da. I don't yeah. know if that made any sense, but it made sense to me. It, it's, um, it, there's something very, it's like, it's a heightened realism. It's a, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah, yeah. a magical, fantastical realism, yeah. you know, a little, a little more delicate than the world around us intentionally so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's very romantic, and I mean that mm-hmm. in the sense of art as opposed to yeah. feeling. Do you know? I mean, it's very absolutely. I mean, you're, we're in Italy, the world exactly. of romance in all forms. From I mean, that's that's where the word comes from. Yeah, Rome, exactly. Romance. From the language to the art to the people to the setting to the structure. Yeah, but but not in that like. You know, the I think this is one of the things the show talks or touches on a lot. But there, mm-hmm. there are shades to romance. The, yeah. It's not a, it's not a rom com. It's not a, a like sappy, deep romantic story. It's not a sexy mm. story. It's no. a story like very purely about love. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's it's kind of like no holds barred as well. Yeah, with love because it it shows you the really bad stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it shows you that actually sometimes. In the words of the wedding singer, love stinks. Um, and it's very, very true. And it's very, very real in that mm. way. And I think that's what gives the musical its edge. And yeah. that's what makes it a really effective piece of art as opposed yeah. to just another piece of art. I mean, trait. that's what makes it a, what, I mean, when are we in 2000? That's what makes it a 2005 musical as opposed to like a 1965 yeah. musical. Exactly. Exactly. Um and yeah, it's, it's exemplar of the leaps and bounds that we've come on <laughs> in the 50 years of Broadway. Um, yeah. 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 Um, which is great. Il mondo era vuoto, le ombre lo la luce non arriva mai. Nella piazza Clara, mia luce, mio cor, ora che sono sveglio, allora non voto. So it's based on a book. Yeah, also called The Light in the Piazza. Have you read mm-hmm. it? I haven't. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I think it's quite short. Yeah. Um so maybe one day. But mm-hmm. I haven't read it. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with the musical. It, it kind of does the job. So here's the first interesting factoid of the yeah. day. Uh-huh. So the composer, uh-huh. Adam Gettle, you know who he is? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, Gettle. Uh, added to the list of ones I've mispronounced in videos. Have you said Gattel? I said Gattel, yeah. I think that's also fine, but I did watch like an interview. Yeah. And to be honest, I've also said Gattel a lot. <laughs> but I think it's Gettle as in Kettle. And All right. Who knows? I may who be knows? completely wrong right now. Who knows? But I'm sure. I'm sure someone will tell us on Reddit. Yeah, exactly. If it's, it might be Adam. Adam Gettle Goodell. Oh uh, well, we can only hope. We'll just call him Adam. Um, we will. Anyway, I interrupted you. Know who, your, he is? who is he? He is the grandson mm-hmm. of Mister Richard Rogers. No way. Yes, Thomas. He That's is. crazy. I didn't know that, that at no, all. Wait. Yes, that is right. That's right. So his mother um, is obviously. Richard Rogers' daughter, and obviously Richard Rogers is Richard Rogers, and that means so is he. So he's Mary Rogers' son. Yeah, 
That's awesome. He is. Nepotism much, but no. I mean, that's how it works. You either know someone or are related to someone in musical theater. Exactly. Um, That makes so much more sense. So I, the, Uh the, the video I mispronounced his name in, uh, is one of the, it's the Sondheim timeline one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm talking about how Sondheim mentored Adam at one point. And that makes total sense because Steve and Mary are like close, close friends. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, all well, of company he, is based on her marriage. Like, <laughs> marriages. Is it, is it her? Really? The he in a bunch of his interviews, he talks about, um, you know, like I don't know anything about marriage, uh, and I just needed to find someone who was married, and so I went and <laughs> sat down with Mary Rogers, just as if it was a lecture, and just started and asked her about her marriages, and just started taking notes. Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, his angle of company. Well, the factoids is... are flying out <laughs> here, everyone. <laughs> Good grief! Um, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely incredible. And like the opening doors is him and Mary Rogers. Um, oh, good grief. I just shivered. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I forget who he quotes the third one is. And like, obviously based on a lot of people, but um, uh, Mary Fosca. in Merrily We Roll Along is very much Mary Rogers. That is amazing. We are light um, years away from a light in the piazza. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that's no, this is fascinating. This is why, this is why people come, Tommy. This is why people come. Um, no, there's this really, really beautiful interview um, between Adam Gettle and Stevie Sondheim, which mm-hmm. will go in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So, spoiler alert, Sandy gets emotional. Aww. May. He's so adorable um, when he gets emotional. But basically, he's talking about the importance of mentorship and, mm-hmm. and teaching. Yeah. Um, and Adam's kind of like, when you know, he, he reflects a bit on... Mm. his own experiences and how apparently sometimes was quite harsh but it was like constructive criticism mm-hmm. um and sandy was just like well that's exactly what i got from your grandfather do you know what i mean I'm like, oh. uh, well not your grandfather your grandfather's but, yeah playmate yeah um i mean yeah. that that seems to be the way to learn musical theater find someone who does it and then ask them about the work you're working on right and they will tell you, They'll tell you <laughs> um but so the he's you've written in the show notes he's one of your favorite composers he is he absolutely is um a lot of it to do with this show yeah okay but there's some other shows that he's done um i mean to be honest he's not really done that many yeah um he's only done i think to my knowledge in terms of musical theater specifically mm-hmm. um he's done this uh he's done one called floyd collins I love Floyd Collins. The musical. The musical, yeah. Oh, great. I did that. Um, and uh, another one called Myths and Hymns. Okay. Um, which is really beautiful. And to be honest, it's Myths, m- myths and Hymns. That's really hard to say. Um, <laughs> that is the one that I really fell in love with. Really? Uh, but in terms of... And I say composer specifically. Yeah. Because I think his compositional ability mm-hmm. um, for musical theatre... Mm-hmm is like paramount oh yes absolutely um, he, it heightens it to a new level yeah absolutely absolutely and he's he's really he's bringing in a lot of classical influences mm-hmm. into his work um but also if you listen to myths and hymns i don't will ever do a podcast on it so i'm going to take this opportunity to <laughs> all right maybe in like 2030 when we get onto like weird songs <laughs> when we're totally re- when we <laughs> finally when we've gotten past xanadu and exactly xanadont <laughs> and then we're we're straight on to myths and hymns um but basically it's it's a a song cycle about um uh like greek myths and oh, okay. also christianity um kind of cobbled together uh <laughs> into this vague story you know as all song cycles as are. all song cycles um, are yeah but some amazing amazing musical moments in it 
Um, and I really, I thoroughly recommend it to, to everyone out there. That's anyway, awesome. so yeah, Adam, Adam Gettle is a hundred percent up there for me. And it, I mean, it was Lightning Piazza that really made me fall in love because it, it, it's so, it sounds so unlike yeah. anything else you'll really hear on a musical theatre stage. I mean, it's very, I, I, I think it, at the end of the day, does squarely fall into the musical theatre camp, but it, it very much is poking the opera bubble. Mm-hmm. Like oh, I yeah. would, there are, you know, <laughs> I could see contemporary opera companies or opera companies that like need to maintain their bottom line, putting on a light in the piazza definitely just definitely definitely the the grand operatic nature of it all you know there every song is almost every song is an mm-hmm. aria that's an aside to mm-hmm. the audience except for the one or two love songs in it mm-hmm. um it's just it's 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 a piece of musical theater that is one tip, tiptoe away from being an opera i think i would say so and i think it's it's really interesting cuz a lot of conversations I've had before where people are with people who do opera mm-hmm. and and they obviously they're they're poo-pooing musical theater because <laughs> that's what they like to do because that's um, how it works exactly but it's it's re- it is a difficult thing to articulate what the difference is mm-hmm. um so I'm going to pose that question to you yeah and then I'll give you what I think but what do you think what do you think the main difference between an opera, opera musical theater really honestly I think the main difference between opera and musical theater is the company performing the show. I <laughs> really like it is, it is a distinction of practicality and mm-hmm. not a distinction of content. There mm-hmm. are, there are performances of Sweeney Todd where it is a musical and there mm-hmm. are performances of Sweeney Todd where it is an opera yeah. and it has almost everything to do with the company that's putting it on. And then how that precipitates out, how mm-hmm. they cast the kind of people they cast, how those mm-hmm. people perform, and then how those things trickle down into the interpretations of the character. Um, I am one who prefers musical theater performance over opera, but mm-hmm. I understand the influences between the two. And in the same way that all of our media is glomming together into one big amorphous yeah, blob, exactly. I think opera and musical theater is doing much the same thing. Also yeah. in a very practical way. There's not an opera, opera company in the country who doesn't, tiptoe into musical theater land every once in a while mostly yeah, because the posters look good and they get butts in the seats <laughs> exactly well i mean the eno um over mm-hmm. here just did a lot two years ago i think um they did a production of sweetie todd mm-hmm. uh with emma thompson and bryn turfell um that was and they that that they were the opera company they are yeah. the eno mm-hmm. um and then they just did sunset boulevard yep. where i mean who'd ever call, have called that an opera exactly um, and well, like, and I think Light in the Piazza is further away from musical theater than some of the pieces of musical theater that are called opera. Um, that yes. it made sense Sorry, in my I mind. Do, yeah, no, I had to do the maths, <laughs> but I'm there. Um, yeah, I think I think I know what you mean. Um, yeah, definitely. It's it, it dances around it and it tiptoes around it. And I think things like the source material. Mm-hmm. Um, really contribute to that yeah. because like we see it's very grand romantic that's slightly melodramatic which yeah is like it it seems you know, it seems in the same way that like oklahoma has a country sound yeah a light in the piazza has an opera sound <laughs> yeah exactly. because it is a you know a romance musical set in italy mm-hmm. and like you know, some it's of the intentional songs sung in italian exactly um so it's just, you're just gonna get that feeling yeah um 
you know, there's like eight part songs. <laughs> like, <laughs> like big octets that last half yeah, an act. Like Exactly. Exactly. It's crazy. Um, but it it works, I mm-hmm. think. It I works think it really, really, really well. Works. Um now I don't know the first thing about opera. Mm-hmm. Um but I've seen a couple. Yeah. Um in my opinion, the thing that makes this less of an opera uh-huh. is uh the book. Yes. Absolutely. What, the kind of what it talks about mm-hmm. um because i would say and again opera buffs out there feel free to hit me um <laughs> but i say operas tend to deal with quite grand mm-hmm. themes mm-hmm. um and obviously one of the main themes of this is love mm-hmm. but it also talks about something that never really gets talked about mm-hmm. which is mental health mm-hmm. um and how that affects families um yeah which I can't really imagine many operas having as their their content. No. Yeah. Um, so I feel that's that's kind of one of the things that I feel like hmm, makes yeah. it more in the the musical theater camp. Yeah, it's um, a very if it is an opera, it is a very contemporary opera. And so, in my experience of opera in Chicago, mm-hmm. new opera, contemporary opera is not going the accessible way of the light in the piazza, but mm-hmm. is going this heightened new age, like really dense, difficult to understand for even like the educated opera goers. Right. Like, okay. A tonal, um, very obtuse and something I don't particularly have a taste for. Uh-huh. Um, I think Ken, of contemporary are we opera. Like Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of We're talking like of the opera, <laughs> exactly like that. Like Just that is going, a great commentary on at least my experience of contemporary opera, like young opera composers. Uh-huh. Um, and <laughs> I wager if they went more ways of lighting the piazza, then opera companies might be doing a little better. <laughs> well, you know. And maybe if they, you know, scaled down their ticket prices. But to be honest, in Broadway, we can hardly talk. That's so. true. That seems to be <laughs> across the board problems. But yeah, so it, it, it could be a bit of both, everyone. Yeah. It could be yeah. a bit of both. Yeah, it's probably. a good, if you, like, if you have someone who loves opera and want to get them into musical theater, it's a good gateway drug. Definitely. That's a great way of putting it. A great gateway drug. Get them yeah. picked. Because it's still, picked. it still has those, tin- as you were saying, those tinges of musical theater every once in a while yeah you know it, it is not obtuse and it's still like it is maybe 40 percent in italian um i'd say maybe 36 okay <laughs> <laughs> it's a significant portion of this musical is in unsubtitled untranslated yeah. pure italian yeah. everyone who is italian speaks italian um but you'll never be lost you'll never not no. understand Exactly. It's done very, very well. And I feel that is opera to a T. Yeah. And they even, <laughs> man, this is the, th- I talk about this all the time in the classes I teach. Um, but they, so the Kennedy Center, you can watch this whole show. The Kennedy Center yes. recorded it. It's beautiful. You should watch it. Um, they include the cell phone announcement at the beginning of the show, which is fabulous. Oh it's and so fabulous. the shows finally in 2000 have caught on that like the cell phone announcement, if you have to do it, should be a part of your show. Yeah. And so they do the whole announcement in Italian, except for keywords like cell phone yeah. and beeper. And, and then it'll be a bunch of Italian. 
unwrap them now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's great. But it also, in a wonderful way, sets you up by saying, some of this show is going to be in Italian, but mm. we're going to make sure that you understand the key points that you need yeah. to understand. Exactly, exactly. And to be honest, what I think it does well is it sets you up for a light-hearted show. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which, in in many ways, is very light-hearted and... and one of the things I think, uh, what is his name? Is Craig Lucas? Uh, yes. The writer? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Craig Lucas, I think, has done really well with the book is just drip in these bits of humor when they're needed. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. But he, I mean, he's able to let that weight sit again when it's when it's needed. But mm-hmm. it's he's good at just dropping in these little little jokes. And I think that that announcement, I know it's such a... a kind of strange thing but yeah it really sets you up and it's, it's mm-hmm. as a theater creator that's something you really need to consider it's like uh, right up there with the overture like yeah. you're setting the tone from the moment from the moment your audience member starts thinking about the show that's when the performance has begun yeah exactly your milk your milk is Milk is what? What milk? Not milk is like milk. Like snow? A sea, but no. I know snow, non è snow. Is ear. Come si dice? Ear. And ear. And also ear. My skin! Your skin is like me. Yeah, there's only a couple. There is, yeah. There's only a few, and they're all great. Yeah. Which, um, is, which is rare for a musical of this scale. <coughs> yeah, because I mean, that's there... the thing. Well, I read um, mm-hmm. there was a review about the like out-of-town tryout that I read. Mm-hmm. Um, when, by the way, casting, didn't realize, Celia mm-hmm. Kinnan Bolger played Clara. No way. Kelly O'Hara played Franca. Whoa. <laughs> I know. What a turn. So strange that yeah. that happened. So I can only imagine, because it was same year as Spelling Bee, mm-hmm. so I can only imagine Celia picked that up. Picked up Spelling Bee and then Kelly re-auditioned. And then Kelly. Yeah. And they That's... were like, oh wait, you're Kelly O'Hara. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. Forgot. They've found <laughs> Kelly O'Hara. <clears throat> Which is so, but also just because I feel Celia Kinnan Bolger, you know, it's ironic that she then went on to play a child. Yeah. I feel that she looks so much like a child and for yeah. the show that's you know, quite a crucial thing. So very interesting. Anyway, um say so no. But basically one of the things that they talked about, they kind of said, This'll never work on Broadway. It's too mm-hmm. small scale. Um like no one's ready for a like a ch- and they call, I think they called it a chamber opera. Mm-hmm. Um and well, guess they were wrong. Yeah, um, but um, I, I can kind of see their point because it is yeah. it's very sm- small scale in the sense of their mm-hmm. cast. There's not this huge grand no. ensemble. Um, it's a small cast of principal characters and then a few mm-hmm. chorus members. A few chorus members, and you really don't need a lot of the chorus members too. They no. buff it up a little bit for the Kennedy Center show. Uh huh. Um, but it's yeah, it is a chamber opera made grandiose. Mm-hmm. On Broadway. Exacto mundo. Um, so, our cast of characters. I'm mm-hmm. going to leave the best to last. Okay. okay? Um, let's talk a little bit about Clara and Fabrizio. Mm-hmm. What are your feelings about them? They're the... I always struggle with um, whirlwind love stories. 
Um, uh-huh. Because it is... I mean, this is this is so whirlwind. Uh, like, <laughs> like, literally. It is literally a, a whirlwind love story. The hat blows off yeah. in the air, and now they're in love. Um, <laughs> exactly. Done. Um, and, like, I, I get... So, if you're not going to... This is not a story about how they fall in love. It is a story about the results of their love. But we need yeah. to see that it is very young, new love. And so, you mm-hmm. can't spend a lot of... If, you know, Otherwise, it's going to be a four-hour musical if you spend a bunch yeah. of development time on, like, how they fall in love and yeah, exactly. that sort of stuff. It, it's just a given. It's just a given. And I can accept it begrudgingly. Okay. In this show. I wondered if you would say that. I wondered if you would say yeah. that. I think... I, I do know what you mean, because it, it, it's weird, because the show has a lot of realism and a lot of really real moments. Yeah. And this doesn't feel real no, at all. No, it doesn't. And, like... Do you know what I mean? It, as, you know, I think Love at First Sight is a half myth. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think it is over-exaggerated and romanticized by mm-hmm. media, but also there is a lot... Of course, you know falling in love is this intangible human desire if we could describe it it wouldn't be as special um yeah and so i do find on some level of honesty in that love at first sight nature and their relationship except for the very specific specific reasons the show goes into doesn't have any overt reason to not happen yeah it's not like you know you you never find yourself halfway through the show being like, but why are they in love? Uh-huh. You know, it doesn't beg that question, which is why I can begrudgingly accept it. Accept. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think as well, you just... I'm sure there's even a part of your frozen old heart, Tommy, <laughs> that makes you just want to be like, oh, yeah, love works. Yes, love. Everybody say love. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like, because you can't help but at the end of that show, it just feels so warm. Yeah? I feel... Yeah, because... I feel melancholy at the end of the show. Well, I can understand why there's definite elements of that, but just if you're focusing on... If you're focusing on on their love, it's like, oh, they made it. Hooray. It's it's like reading really good fan fiction. (laughs) And coming at the end and being like, everything is perfect. Do you know what I mean? Because they're just so in love. Yeah. And they're just so damn cute. Yeah. Does the wee eye thing, you know? Yeah. Like, do, 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 do. <laughs> okay. You I'm a cold, I'm man. a cold, bitter old man. Good luck to your boyfriend, right? <laughs> Jesus. This is why I'm single. Uh, Love it's not, never wins. It's not because you have an overbearing mother who cancels all of your dinner dates? Well, that too. I've also got, <laughs> yeah. It's like a melody, like there you go just now Say it somehow, somehow you can show me Say it somehow, any way you can But let's, we're beating around the bush here. Let's talk about the main, the most important part of this show. I, which is, which is Margaret, exactly, exactly. Which is, which is in a in a long-standing musical theater tradition, the protagonist is not the person on the album cover, is not the, is not who you think. Yep. 
You know, she is. She is. She is the Mama Rose she, of Italy. She is the Mama Rose of Italy. <laughs> she is a. It is a fabulously written character. Oh God, it's just so good. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so. Yeah. So good. I mean, you get a sense of it if you just listen to the cast recording, mm-hmm. which is my experience with most musicals. Yeah. Um, if you just listen to the cast recording, um, you still get the sense that God, that's a great role. Yeah. Um, you watch the show, and it's just something yeah. else. I do think the Margaret's character, although she has some good songs, shines mm-hmm. in the book, shines in the non-sung Definitely. bits of this show. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's very rare you go to a musical in some of your favorite parts of the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> you know but mean? just her... The dialogue. Man, the... And it just the conventions they use with her, her asides, which yes. you start the show and narrate the show and move the show along. She's... Exactly. Pretty much the only person who we get some, like, deep, like, back-of-the-mind kind of exposition. Everyone else, yes. we see what they're thinking through what they're doing. But yes. Margaret, we see what they're thinking. We see what she's thinking because she tells us. Exactly, exactly. Now, apparently that was a really... Um, uh, like downside to the movie was that you didn't get any of this exposition mm-hmm. and they did a lot of like shoehorning in mm-hmm. um so like when she told her about the horse yeah she like told it to like her tutor back at home that's stupid uh or do you know what i mean so it, lots of that so i think as a, as a, a structure in a convention it is so good uh-huh it's so so good um so yeah well done yeah um but we have to just give all the plaudits to Victoria Clark. Oh, she's fabulous and doesn't do anything else. I mean, she does other things. But like, <laughs> but I didn't know who, like, I had seen Victoria Clark in other things, but did not realize uh-huh. that this was her until I watched the Lincoln Center production. Right, exactly. I mean, it's like, yeah, she's she's a vet because she's done, she's done like Sunday. Yeah. She's done uh, other things. <laughs> Hope, hopefully. <laughs> She has definitely, but I can't remember what they are. Yeah. But I know she's done Sunday. She so was in. Know. But I don't. She, she also. I don't, I don't think she was. Um, like she wasn't. No, um, I mean, so like the. I got. I've got her Wikipedia up now. She was in the ninety two, ninety three guys and dolls. She was. Yeah, she, she was Smitty she was in um, the Matthew Broderick How to Succeed. Um, uh-huh. She was in Titanic. Um, she was Miss Pennywise in You're in Town. So she's a. She is yes. a character actress. Um, yes. And while of of female protagonists in musicals, I think uh-huh. Margaret is as close as you can get to a like character dramatic role. Yeah, this is a to an extent I think against type for her. Uh-huh. at least uh-huh. as she had been cast. Yeah, and I think it, it's you could you could watch her and think that. Mm. Oh yeah, I rem- you know she's played Gypsy, right? uh, she's played Mama Rose, mm-hmm. right? Or you know she's played Mrs. Love. She's she's just one of these people who you would have expected, yeah, to have filled these like seminal female roles. But just but she hasn't. she hasn't. No, and she's made like because she has created this character in Light in the Piazza. It makes it just in the same way that Mama Rose always will be a little bit Ethel Merman. Mm-hmm. Because it was so much a part of who she was, Margaret exactly. Johnson will always be a little bit Victoria Clark. 
Oh, completely, completely. Um, and she said in, in the little interview bit in, in, in the interval mm-hmm. of the thing, she, she says that she's from, is she from South uh, North Carolina? I don't know, or... I, I skipped that interview bit. Oh, okay. It was good. Yeah. I can watch that. All right. You naughty man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, she, basically, she says that she can, you know, she could do the accent. That was her mm-hmm. thing. Because mm-hmm. um, they, they initially weren't going to, they were just going to have her do it. I don't know about generic or, mm-hmm. well, I don't or just know more American proper British or American or something. Yeah. Um, but she was like, well, I can do the authentic thing. Mm. And she did. And can you imagine that role without Oh, it? it makes the role. It lets her, it sells all of the, <laughs> it makes what would seem like a mildly racist character right. seem more just ignorant and well-meaning. Yeah, I know what you mean. I do yeah. know what you mean. Like they're and yeah, because because they're tourists in Italy and they're playing in yeah. you know all of the jokes she has are about the Italian stereotypes versus these American stereotypes. And uh-huh. if she didn't have the accent, she would feel a little more malicious in some of those yeah. statements and like yeah. you know trying to keep um, Clara away. Like would just feel less of it would feel more like xenophobia and less like Uh just a gentle kind of southern ignorance yeah exactly exactly yeah they feel further removed yeah don't they yeah i've never thought about that before of like using an accent do you know what i mean as a a narrative driver it's like that's fascinating it's really cool it's a it's a great in the same way that like it's a it's secret exposition that you get to cheat with like the cell phone announcement uh-huh. So is using an accent. Suddenly yeah. you've established at least some of a backstory without wasting time in your script. Exactly. Because like, it's not as, as present in, um, in Clara. Mm-hmm. And the guy playing... Well, certainly Katie Clark's. I've not mm-hmm. heard Kelly O'Hara speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy playing Roy uh, Johnson, bless him, he's like, yeah, I can do it too. I'm like, well, yeah, okay. Um, but like, it's it's a proper yeah. ma- like she gives a masterclass yeah. in accent work because it, it's what's one of the things she says in this interview as well is she talks about the musicality of it. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's a very sing songy mm-hmm. accent. She's like, again, that's so important yeah. because it's much more colourful to listen to. Yeah. And you can therefore bring so much more emotion into it yeah. because it has these ups yeah. and downs. And that's the subtlety um, of the accent. It's so much more than just, you know, w- which IPA form are you using to form a particular letter or what's your mouth yeah. shape on particular words and, yeah. like, the, the, the real granular diction of it, but, like, the bigger picture and the character of it. Exactly. It's got the soul of the accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Anyway, fantastic work. Her number at the end of the show, mm. Fable. Heartbreaking. So, oh, and as I note that, I think that's Susan Blackwell's favorite. Uh, that's the song, song she cleans to? No, well, so Heidi Blickenstaff cleans oh, okay. to Lenny Piazza. But yeah, Susan Blackwell says she like, likes belting out Fable. Mate, I can't understand. I love singing Fable. Huh. I love singing Fable. Oh my God, I feel great singing that song. <laughs> I do. It's like, but in the same way, like, I love singing Rose's Turn. Okay. Yeah. Because you can, you wrap your chops around it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It is very. That's a proper British phrase there. And that is, <laughs> although that one, that's, that's, I think some of our Yank audience will understand that. Okay. 
Okay. We'll get we'll get closed captioning soon. <laughs> <laughs> that would it, work in a podcast, but uh, yeah. It is very I hadn't put together, but it is Rose's turn. Basically. Yeah, it's, it's, in, it's the same. In structure and location. Uh-huh. It's it's this is my um this is my awakening. This is my understanding everything now. Mm-hmm. This is me bearing my soul for you on the stage. Yeah. Uh, audience yeah thank you for staying with me yeah. through the whole show kind of which thing. is um, i i can't think of another show where th- a character has some kind of soul bearing 11 o'clock number also exists in soliloquy land in the audience's mind you know what i mean uh-huh so like there probably is one i can't think i mean i it's I, I feel it'd be weird if they were the only two they're probably the only two good ones maybe but like even not like so like when rose sings uh mama's turn rose's turn rose's yeah. turn uh-huh. <laughs> when rose <laughs> sing, when rose sings it. rose's turn yeah it is to the audience but it is to rose Yes. Rose has never directly addressed the audience before at all. Yes, very and true. Isn't very true. technically directly addressing the audience, I would say. It's we're in yeah. we're in grayscale land. Um but in uh when Sutton Foster sings Gimme Gimme, she's alone uh-huh. on stage. She's singing to the audience, but she's singing to herself. Yes. When at the end of Light in the Piazza, when Margaret sings Fable, yeah. she is singing to the audience yeah. because she started the show talking to the audience and explaining things to the audience and telling this story to the audience and not in this meta theatrical Pippin-esque way where we're right. acknowledging that we're putting on a show, but just uh-huh. as a convention of the storytelling in this like different way. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, I think a lot of it's to the audience, but I do think there's an aspect of it that is still, um, reflective yeah for sure do you know what i mean um and that allows her to go on that journey because i think if it was purely just here audience is what i'm thinking Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be as effective but because she has her own realization Mm -hmm. through the song oh my god it's so good uh (laughs) it's it's that that's what gives it the 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 power yeah absolutely Um, oh just it's mass it's masterful and like one of the main reasons why i love adam Gessel because Mm -hmm. that is Histor- that's an historical song. Yeah. Well, and do you know what I mean? Speaks so well to. Sondheim talks about this about the best lyrics are simple lyrics. Uh huh. And I would e- even further say you can't have complex lyrics and complex music. Um, yeah, because yeah, uh-huh, you can't. Yes. Yeah, so then you, you will lose your extreme. audience. Yeah, it's like if you're making a Sims character. Uh <laughs> huh. Right, and you're giving them uh, like emotion points uh-huh. or whatever you do it. Like when you're deciding their star sign, mm-hmm. you can't make them all full. You can make them all zero, right? But you can't. But you make can't them make them all, them all... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's an apt metaphor. <laughs> there we go. It's like in in the Punnett Thank you, Max. <laughs> in the Punnett square of lyrics, music, complexity. Right. Yeah. There's one square you can never use. Yeah. You can have simple music and simple lyrics. You can have complex lyrics and simple music or simple lyrics and complex music but if you have this this show could have easily fallen into the trap of complex music complex lyrics but that's one of the things that sets it apart from opera yeah there we go boom point he did it (laughs) 
Um, but interestingly, uh-huh. one of the things that reviews panned, well, didn't pan, but highlighted, uh-huh. was they said that his lyrics were too poetic. And to huh. them, I say, shut up. <laughs> I do, <laughs> I say, I do up think right I enjoy this musical. This will never mm-hmm. be a popular musical. No. Which is crazy. And I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, it was interesting. I was speaking to someone, one of my friends, um, about it. And we were talking about the idea of it being revived. Mm-hmm. And we're like, right, come on. It's been 10 years. Uh-huh. Like, let's get something. Um, and I know we just had that concert that was like, what, two years ago? Something, something like that, that yeah. Um, fine. Uh, but I can't see this being revived. I don't think it will be. a very, very long time. Because, I, I mean, Ian, we'll get into this in a second. The design was it was perfect. perfect. Um, it should be done like that every time. Right. B, there's nothing really you can do to tell a different story with it. Yeah. I mean... Because per- the themes are so laid out. Perhaps in a contrast to some of our previous musicals, I don't think this musical is that revolutionary. I think it's good. Yeah. But I great, don't think it's... a great point. It doesn't do a lot of... It takes old styles and pre- presents them in interesting ways. Yeah. I don't think this is, I don't think this is, and I'm sure it is for some people because it, everything is for some people, but I don't uh-huh. think this is a very life-changing musical No, for, I think for many people. Yeah, it's very beautiful and it's very smart, but it's not, it's not, an, it's not a curveball. Exactly. You know what I mean? You're not like, whoa, yeah. letting it be at that. It is a, um, it is a nice is touching <laughs> night out at the theater. Exactly. It's absolutely fine to have that and musicals can still absolutely. be fantastic yeah. and not change the world, yeah. you know? Um, which is, we're okay with that. Um, we're open to all things. <laughs> um. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Look and look and look and look 
So let's talk about the design. Right. You With a show called Light in the Piazza, of course you need good lighting design. Yes, you do. Right. Okay. Let's give a big shout out to our lighting design fam out there. Woo! Okay. You're, you're my you're my home fam. I had my one of my majors was lighting design. Yes, it was. It wasn't one of mine, but I really support it. <laughs> one of my best friends is a lighting designer, so I understand. <laughs> I understand. I feel mm-hmm. in our our world of you know no sound design existing in musical theatre <laughs> um, that. Our creatives just don't get enough. Plot it. Yeah. And right? this is like the, as we mentioned, the reviews in Seattle saying this is a chamber musical. This show wouldn't have survived on Broadway if the design had not made it such an epic, grandiose tale. Exactly. Exactly. And this is like, this is design, again, masterclass. Yeah. This is a masterclass in design because everything comes together. Mm-hmm. So perfectly so well and it's so it's simple i see a lot of like most musicals aren't unit set musicals they take place in a bunch of different places that you have to represent Mm -hmm. somehow um and i think that creates for a lot of overcomplication in musical Mm -hmm. production design um, because mm-hmm. you want to support so many different things. And so it has to, you know, the 15 different sets have to roll in and then it all has exactly. to rotate. <laughs> and Light in the Piazza does that, but it hides it very well. It yeah. makes it so simple. And, you know, you move this wall a little bit this way and suddenly we're in a different part of the street. Or exactly. suddenly this predominantly outdoor scene becomes an indoor scene inside of a cathedral. Or even though we still have the walls of Italy behind us, we're in a in a living room or a dining room or wherever we are. Completely. And just... Yeah. It's so slick. Yeah. It's so slick because you like you are, you, you're inside, you're outside, you're this building, you're, mm-hmm. you're changing all the time. Yeah. But you never notice it. Yeah. It's so smooth yeah. and seamless and perfect. You even go from Rome to Florence. And you can tell. And you can tell. Yeah. That's but so- you're not you don't there's no blackout. No. <laughs> yeah. So um the I went on my trip to Italy was with mm. my senior year choir in high school, which was awesome. Excellent. Um, Excellent. Give us a song, Tommy. What did you sing? We sang for the Pope, last Pope. Um, You're kidding. We sang, well, okay, that's a misnomer. The Pope! We sang about seven notes for the Pope. The way it works when you sing for the Pope is the Pope has mass out in the square, and mm-hmm. they announce the special groups who are there, and if you have a thing, to a vocal thing to give as a gift to the Pope, you do it when they announce your name. And you have to do it loud and proud enough so that they know you're doing it. Otherwise, they're going to announce the next thing. And so they're going oh through, God. and they get to my high school. They announce the high school uh-huh. name. We all stand up and start singing. We get about seven notes in, and they announce the next one. We're like, oh, okay. And then we sit down. <laughs> that is a weird thing. It was really weird. <laughs> what did you say? Oh, I don't remember. Something Sunday morning in, fever. Something in Italian. We learned a lot of Italian oh, okay. songs. It was very cool. There, We did so many fun things. Um we went to see a, I think it was a string quintet, um, play a bunch of things in just like an abandoned church. Um, they were just holding a concert, but they happened to be playing a song that we had learned. Um, and so our choir teacher went up to them afterwards, like, wait, can we do an encore? And my 200 person choir will sing this song with, it was so cool. And like, yeah, the whole thing was awesome. But one of the things that struck me most about Italy, and this is a Uh totally American ridiculous thing to say, and I mean it 100%. Yeah. Italy 
looks like Italy. Yeah. And, like, I have this expectation, because I don't think Chicago looks like Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've seen Chicago representa- represented in movies and in plays, and I think there are aspects of it that exist in the Chicago I lived in, but uh-huh. it doesn't look like Chicago. And New York right. doesn't look like New York. There are aspects to it, but New York soundstage New York does not look like New York, actual mm-hmm. New York. Mm-hmm. Soundstage Italy, Disney World Italy, fairy tale yeah. fake Italy looks yeah. exactly like Italy. Yeah. In every way possible. Um, which was not something I expected when going on this trip um, and struck me as very ignorant and American um, and still <laughs> does to this day. The light in the piazza looks like Italy. It does. And it, it all it falls in my mind, all in this same line of like, yep, that's I was on that street. I was yeah. in, I was right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that that is down to the lighting design. 100%. So I I read I read a book recently mm-hmm. um, about directing. That's what I am. <laughs> director. So I read books on directing um, rather than actually direct shows. Uh, anyway, the it was Katie Mitchell. Uh-huh. Who is she? Director for the National Theatre over here for a while. Then she got banished for she did a really controversial production of The Seagull. It huh. wasn't controversial; it was just contemporary. Anyway, um, and anyway, she talks about a time when she was directing The Dollhouse. Okay, and she went to Norway, I think, where it's set, mm-hmm. um, and literally walked around taking pictures and absorbing. Day and night, dawn, dusk, mm-hmm. all these different type periods, and just looking at the light and looking at the way the light hits buildings mm-hmm. and looking at the quality of the light and mm-hmm. taking notes on this um, with her lighting designer. Yeah. And like that is that is literally how much work yeah. goes into this job. Yeah. It's it's not a case of, hmm, let's have some blue uh-huh. here. It's it's literally thinking, what am I wanting what to show? What does light look like? Yeah. What does light look like? How does light work? Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen lots and lots of productions and I feel that this mm-hmm. I, I, it just captures it better than anything I've ever seen. Absolutely. And it's so <laughs> you ready to get inside baseball? Um, yeah. So I was a lighting design major. There's a couple of things I noticed that they do that they very specifically did that created that uh-huh. effect for you. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> they forego most of the time traditional um, McCandless lightning, Stanley McCandless. Mm-hmm. His last mm-hmm. name's spelled like candles, which is hilarious. He invented mm-hmm. contemporary modern lighting design. Um, right. Two lights, 45 degrees, both sideways and up on your face is the basic lighting design principle that has been used in stage productions forever and ever and ever. It represents yep. the sun pretty well. They uh-huh. very rarely use it in this show. There's right, a lot okay. of backlight. There's a lot of side light. And the sun isn't yep. always where the audience is. Um, right. And so that's one of the things they do. Then the other thing they do is they forego almost all traditional musical theater lighting tropes. They use spotlights every once in a while, um, but Uh only in soliloquy land, only to isolate from the background, which is about as musical theater as it gets. They don't put buttons on their songs with lighting design. 
um, yes. which is something I've struggled. The I know you would you know what I mean by a button, but I've had uh-huh. to try to explain this to other people, and I still struggle with it. You know, at the end right. of the song, where like you know, um, you know, they're big, tall, terrible, awesome, scary, wonderful giants in the sky. Light cue, like on the button, the lights go bing, and it says to the audience, "Clap now." It's a very musical theater thing to do, and they don't do it in yeah. the light in the piazza because it doesn't happen in real life um uh-huh. and it's all to wonderful success that combined with like the really high angled like very subtle shifts in light in color it's um, the shifts tommy like yeah. they're almost like real time yeah like and i was watching it and literally just this the way that shadows moved it yep. was literally a cloud parted it was just halfway through a scene it's beautiful uh, i was as the drag queens say, I was getting my life. <laughs> yeah. I, it was just... but it, And it's it's always, like, it is from reality, but it's always to support a moment in the show. Like, exactly. why do the clouds part or appear? Why does the color change to support how the characters uh, are feeling right now? It's yes. the thought that went into the design in the show. It It is, it it shows in that it doesn't show. Like, it's hidden uh-huh. very well, which is great. Yeah. Um. And it makes it. One of my favorites as well, the cyclorama usage. Oh, it looks like the sky. It just is it's the, sky. the sky. Yeah. It's the sky. Like, we took so much inspiration on in that when we did Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, and it literally just stole it. Yeah. But stuck a George Washington Bridge in front of it. It's George, not George Washington. Yeah. 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 Right. Well done. Um, so, thank you. Well, they say it a lot on the show, so I'd be really <laughs> sure shot if I didn't get that right. Um, but yeah, like, just stuck that in front of it. But using using that, because th- those moments, like that moment towards the end of the song, end mm-hmm. of the show, and interlude is the, the track, you mm-hmm. want to listen along at home, <laughs> where Clara basically just runs along the backstage. There's nothing else mm-hmm. on the stage. Yeah. And she's pretty much in silhouette. Yeah. And she just runs out this gorgeous yellow. Yeah. Like, yellow. It's beautiful. Who uses yellow? Yeah. And there she goes. And it's it's perfect. It's perfect. It's, it's, so, I mean, it's, it's the so album good. cover for good reason. Right. Ah, uh, just that moment. Yeah, and that's light. That's lighting. That's yeah. just pure celebration of lighting. Well, that's that's the metaphor of the whole thing. Like it right. is a show uh, about the light in the piazza. So you exactly. need the piazza, and you need the light, and you got to do it right. And yes. like, who? Here's my question for you: Who is the light in the piazza? Well, I'd say what is the light? In okay, the piazza? what is the light uh, in the piazza? I would say the light in the piazza is love in its purest form. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I would say. Um, it is. It's that that feeling you get of just being like, mm, that that feeling. Mm-hmm. I haven't had it for a while, but it's it's that like like hug. Yeah, yeah. That you get from being really, really in love. Mm-hmm. What do you think the late the PS? Oh, I one hundred percent agree with you. <laughs> oh, okay, that's it. That's it. Um, but also, I think it represents Mickey Mouse. <laughs> No, I don't know. Oh, I wish I could remember. It was about the glass menagerie. Um, this is we're gonna go on my English teacher tangent here, but I here feel I feel getting all your many forms tonight. I feel right? so strongly about this. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very at least in American high school, people are like you know the the teacher asks, well, what did you think the author was implying by this in a play, uh-huh. in a book, whatever? What was their intent with this? And sassy millennials and younger come back with how do we know the author meant that 
How do we know that the giant represented this, or it's called a light in the piazza because of this? Um, how you know what's what will lead us to believe this? And the best response I ever got was from a professor in college. She said to some student, "You know, we don't know whether the author intended this at all. They might have. Uh-huh. They might not have thought this all the way through. Chances are, most of the things talked about in English classes." mark twain didn't think through right but isn't life more fun if we assume it is true yeah isn't it more fun to experience this art this way if we assume this is the metaphor or this is the intent or at least explore it enough to talk about it exactly well that's our that's our therapy like that's what we do as humans we find patterns to make to explain things ourselves and if you know, listening to like the piazza and thinking, yes, oh my god, I love love. Yeah. If that's what does it for you, great. Yeah. If listening to like the piazza and you think, oh my god, I love feeling warm. Yeah. Also, great. Yeah. You do you. That's art. Yeah. That's art. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I will say, next time you go see a show, mm-hmm. right, on a stage, probably in a Broadway stage because they've got great budgets, um, go and look at the lights. Mm-hmm. And think about what's going on. Because so much of the time, you don't notice it. And that's the point. That's the point. But you need to appreciate the sheer amount of work that goes into it. It's just a great job. It's true. We're not sponsored by any lighting designers. (laughs) Except me. Except B. Me. You, <laughs> be, be Arthur, like be Arthur, famous be lighting Arthur. designer. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! Can you imagine? I'm imagining you're sitting at the light board, punching in cues, looking up and going, "Whoa, go, <laughs> go!" <laughs> That's Harvey Firestein oh, and Harvey Firestein as be Arthur. Arthur as a lighting designer. Yeah, as Stephen Sondheim, <laughs> all together, great. On a central square, the beginning of a kingdom republic. Was there a king? Was there a queen? There were princes, painters, noblemen of logic and art. Firenze, Leonardo, Leonardo, Michelangelo, the start. It's a completely naked statue. Twas a dawning day, unfurling. This is, I think people no, misbrand things as political topics. This is something, I think this has been a co-opted political topic, but it doesn't have anything to do with running a country. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, uh, but it's a very important topic. Yeah. This is a show about mental disability in a lot of ways. Ah, exacto mundo. Um, and I think, I don't know, I feel, so it was 2003, I think it was first given to the world. Yeah. Was that its uh, Seattle premiere? Yeah. Yeah, um, even back then, mm-hmm. people still didn't talk about mental health nearly as much as they're talking about it nowadays. Well, not um, in this way, too. 
How do you mean? Sorry. So, like, I made the comparison earlier to the Glass Menagerie, um, uh-huh. which I know too well because too many acting professors use it as a sample. Uh-huh. Um, but <laughs> in oh god, and of course now I can't remember her name. Laura um, has See, not like a, a bulger. <laughs> has n- not a, a mental disability, but a physical disability, mm-hmm. um, at least as implied. But it is used at, so. In the start of A Light in the Piazza, the, uh, the mental disability of Clara and Laura's physical disability from the Glass Menagerie are very much on the same par. It is this secret, anormal thing that is intended as something by the playwright to distance her from potential love interests. It is, mm-hmm. it is an otherness making that is core to the character. Um, physical or mental at this point doesn't matter because it's the same dramatic intent. Yes. Where light, where Glass Menagerie is very much set in a decade long past, it is a physical disability that is really, you know, overcome is the wrong word, never like dealt with. It exists Mm -hmm. and is the character's downfall and is a normalizing and is, you know, this awful, evil, ugly thing. Mm -hmm. In A Light in the Piazza, whatever Clara's, you know, mental development is, Mm -hmm. is, man, I wish there was a word other than overcome because it's not about overcoming it and moving past it. It's about like living your life with it like as a full as the full person you are exactly it's embracing it it's just yes yeah. it's, it's taking hold of it yeah and running with it yeah um and like that's because you you're know, right it's not overcoming it's not going away no but it's just it's it's knowing what you have yeah and going with it exactly and i mean that's also you see margaret struggle the whole show to describe <laughs> you know clara's what does she call it at the beginning? Her her situation. She doesn't even yeah. call it her condition. Um, yeah. You know. Whereas, um, oh, who's the father? Roy. Roy. Um, you know, during the big blow up in Act Two, it mm-hmm. refers to her as like she's a handicapped girl. Um, yeah. Which we know is <laughs> politically incorrect nowadays. Is yeah. is a wrong descriptor. Um, yeah. And the difference between the way Margaret and Roy see their child is a huge part of the plot of this show. Um, Definitely. And a, a huge statement about how we should be viewing mental development. Um, yeah. Because it's not even mental illness. Um, these are, they're all loaded terms, and it's impossible to talk about any with implying things you don't mean. Um, yeah. But... It's it's neat. It's cool. It's the sort of thing that you know, next to normal maybe talks about mental illness. I'd say yeah, next to normal is the only literally the other show in musical theater anyway. Yeah, that I feel discusses it. Yeah, as in a an thing. in an explicit but, way. Yeah, but I'd say where Light in a Piazza comes out on top mm-hmm. is exactly what we've just been talking about, in that it's. It's not like saying, "Oh, isn't it such a shame that Clara has this?" Right. It's, it doesn't like it doesn't matter. Barely anyone notices. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's that. <laughs> it's the. It's the. 
you know, it's the to love another person is the see the to see the face of God line in the show exactly. is Clara and Margaret at the end where Clara's like, I can't go on without you or whatever it is. Uh-huh. And Margaret's like, but you can. You can. Exactly. Yeah. And it means so Absolutely. much. It's like it's not a, it's it's you can in both senses. It's you can in I allow you to and you mm-hmm. can in you will be able to. Yeah. Which is Completely. just it's a beautiful message completely um but i want so i wonder if so i mean like next to normal itself was five years five years later yeah um i wonder if it was done now Mm -hmm. or created now if they'd put more focus on it in the i bet you they would i bet you if this got a revival it would be and like that's always it's in um i think it's in shirtleff's audition do you have that book the yellow book audition no Good book for any actor. I want to make sure I got the author right. Mm -hmm. Um, Shirt left is what you just said. S-H-U-R-T-L-E-F-F. Shirt left. Michael Shirt left. Okay. I thought his name was Shirt left. (laughs) I was like, that isn't a name. Um, (laughs) It's it's more of an old school acting book, but it's a nice, easy Uh read. Um, Audition. It's it's good. It's everything an actor needs to know. Um, I think it's in this book. And if I'm wrong someone will tell me um but he talks about auditions for the glass menagerie and how a lot of people overemphasize laura's physicality um right okay it's like she's got a a bad leg or something wrong with her foot um and a lot of actors really really drive that in and Uh that's not the point she wants to hide that um and i think that's one of the thing that is the delicate balance to have with the light in the piazza whatever you know how however clara's mental progression presents needs to be just the tiniest little glimmer and hint because it is such a tiny part of her yeah, life exactly well she only I, th- I think it only really comes out at like two points in the mm. show i'd say at the end of hysteria uh-huh um when she she comes with her mother, uh-huh. I'd say just after interlude, uh-huh. where she thinks that, you know, well, when her mother acknowledges uh-huh. that she hears half the conversation uh-huh. kind of thing um, to her, and she has that breakdown where she's, uh-huh. it's almost like she's trying to it's kind of sort it in her own head. Yeah. It's beautiful because, but then again, at the same time, it's also not overdone. Yeah. See, it's, I would say it comes out throughout the entire show. In perfect, yeah. subtle, tiny ways. Like, some of her first line is walking up to strangers on the street and going, we're on vacation! Like... Yeah. And but see, I, yeah, I don't know, but to me, I, I, I almost take the Naccarelli view of, like, I don't... I look at that and I'm like, oh, Americans. Like, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, it, and, but it's, such a, it's such a thing. Yeah. Like, it, you know, if, if she was British, yeah. I'd be like, whoa, there's something weird going on there. <laughs> but because she's American, I'm just like, mm-hmm. what a gorgeous, S- idealistic American guy. I wonder, I wonder if, if we're having the oceanic gap here. Um, I wonder. Because I, wonder. I see those things and, you know, maybe it's my Midwestern politeness sensibility. Um, uh-huh. But I wouldn't have done that you know right okay. and or like even that when she's drawing the man on the bench at the very beginning and like adjusts his hat yeah just which is playful but also like something a 10 year old might do yeah um, i suppose i suppose that's it but then i guess at the start or until very late on in the show you don't actually know what age she is that's true 
Yeah. So but you, you, guess, do... you don't really you don't really know what you're getting. Yeah, but it is it's it is the Chekhov's gun of the show. I mean, yeah. in the first aside, it's like my daughter is mm, something. You know, we're uh, not going to tell you what, but we're going to tell you yeah. that it's something. There's the gun on yeah. the wall when it, and you know how long before it goes off. Yeah. Um and maybe what is it the end of act 1 where we hear the pony story? Uh yeah, yeah, just after dividing day. Yeah. Um yeah. So, oh no, just after hysteria. Yeah. yeah. Uh but I, I is it's still regardless of anything. Um Barty Share is completely directed it really well. That was really really oh, well. Oh my god. Yeah. Um I'm going to say that again because I'm really appalled. <laughs> Barty Share directed it really well. Yeah. Um because it's it's understated. It's so human. It's just so yeah. human. It the reminds show, me yeah. of. Have you seen the Fantastics? I know the Fantastics. I've never seen the Fantastics. Right, but it reminds me of Louisa mm-hmm. in that. Um, but I guess in the same way that you know, Light in the Piazza is set in the real world. The Fantastics very much isn't. Right. Um, so yeah, I guess that doesn't. I didn't make a point with that. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're quite similar. Use audition songs for either for each. Uh, <laughs> that was my point. Uh, but yeah, it's it's done very very well. But yes. yeah, like I say, I think if it was if it was written now, if Adam Geta was approaching it now, mm-hmm. I wonder if he put a bit more focus on that. If it, and a it bit would lean a little heavier up. on that. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean, yeah, it is interesting, and it is you know conflated with. Um, just the idea of a parent letting a child go, mm-hmm. you know, and then this, at least as written, is kind of the extra wrinkle in that. Yeah. And I, I wonder if the, if the priority would, would flip with a 2016, 2017, 2018 revival. I wonder. Because this is, I mean, that, this is one of the main things of recent years that we talk about a lot more mm-hmm. is mental health. Mental health. And how everyone is affected by this. And mental development uh, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, exactly, and like the exactly. the the stigmas associated with that and breaking through those, completely. And I think Light in the Piazza is a fantastic exemplar of someone showing a very positive spin on it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's it's also you know it has that they do it's it's got that um, fun home air about it. I had no idea. I had no idea. Thought it was just gonna be like even in the songs I had heard, even yeah. in the bits I knew, thought it was just a love story. Thought yeah. it was just a run-of-the-mill, you know, rom-com style, mother-in-the-way kind of love story. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's that tricky theater roping you in with the pretty oh. poster before they slap you over the head with the statement. Yep. Although that's not really <laughs> the term that you should be using to describe the show. Ooh. Mm, mm. Uh, oops. Gonna pull that one. There, uh, my microphone's broken. Um. <laughs> um. But yes, uh, I, I again, that's what's I think very, very good about the way that the show's structured. Yeah, is it does start like this, caper. Yeah, it's oh, like oh, these, these people ooh. are falling in love, but mommy doesn't want it. Exactly, <laughs> it's like National um, Lampoon's Night in Italy, like exactly. Uh, and then suddenly you start to you know you see Franca mm-hmm. and she's not happy. Yeah. Um, and then you you see Margaret on the phone to her, her husband, and you're mm-hmm. like, whoa, okay. yeah. That's not so good. No, it gets um, deep really fast. Until finally yeah, you reach my my favorite Joanna Gleason line in the whole show. <laughs> I don't speak English, but I have to tell you what's happening. What's going on? Ah. Joanna Gleason. Jo- this is ridiculous. What am I doing here? I'm in the wrong story. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. 
that I mean that wasn't very clear. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't I don't clear understand. At all. <laughs> I don't understand. It was unclear about that. That was it made total sense to me. Yeah, of course. Um but yes, yes. exactly. That is what a fun thing. Yeah. What a really fun thing. And I to be honest, a great opener yeah. back to you know, we've spoken about this a couple of times, I think, in the podcast about the the tricky act too and what do you mm. open with yeah do you know what i mean um you don't do a cats you don't open no. with this shitty ballad sorry um you open with mm-hmm. a rousing quintet yeah crazy <laughs> In italian yeah exactly <laughs> like, um and directly related to the implied conflict at the end of act one but still taking advantage of the time that has passed oh it's great absolutely absolutely it's a lot of fun now I see as I have never seen before Since that moment in the square When your heart is carried in the air Just so you can chase it Just so I can be there This is how I know this is what I see This is love to me That was Light in the Piazza It was <laughs> I didn't do any Italian accent that whole thing I all Any Italian accent I do would just be offensive Ciao. Sound like It would sound like Mario and Luigi We oh. I, Mamma mia! It's it's like I'm there. Pasta fazzole. Is this your hat? You Pasta fazzole. That turned German. <laughs> Is this your hat? <laughs> Sorry, Can Jones. you imagine this show uh, if all the Italian characters were just played by Mario and Luigi from yes. the Nintendo game? How fantastic it would be! <laughs> Wouldn't it? Just like an aw- an awful an American stereotype of what Italians are like. Yeah, I mean, it's, it it gets kind of close to that sometimes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, one thing we didn't talk about in the podcast, I realize we're finished, but we're gonna, I'm going to put it in here. It's an <laughs> Easter egg. Oh, it's not. Um, the thing I find so fascinating about the Italian accent and dialect is their use uh-huh. of gestures. Yeah. And it's so integral. Yeah, and it's I'm, very... I'm just purely saying this so I can put in a really interesting video into the show notes <laughs> for when a directed assassins. It's I'm so big... interesting. I'm excited to watch this video. Good. There you go. That's that's all I wanted to say. Um, so yeah, let me be out Let's let's find out what we're going to do next week. Okay? Yeah, we've come we've up with a, a really. A, I don't really... know. if Quiz question is the right phrase. <laughs> Not really. More just like boast. <laughs> just a boast um it's also not challenging but doesn't no. matter okay it's doesn't your, matter. it'll be fun it'll be fun exactly you're gonna laugh okay <laughs> for once in your life <laughs> anyway um okay so tommy and i are gonna read you a selection of tweets um that we tweeted uh during uh live in broadcast. in re- in relation to this musical you gotta keep it a little ambiguous in relation <laughs> to this musical. They're never going to figure it out. Right. I don't think they will. They won't crack the code. Um, okay. These Quite are a lot tweets. of people got light in the piazza, though. That's true. A That's fair true. few people engaging with yeah. this question last week, so that was good. Thanks, guys. Um, okay. So, so These are tweets that Jimmy or I have tweeted about this musical. Okay. Number one. All caps. 
Dolly Parton biopic? Question mark, exclamation mark. Number two, not all caps. Oh, shit. I'm in Moscow. Or Moscow. Or Moscow. Where you from? Uh, number three. Yes, Cyclorama. Again, all caps, exclamation mark. I feel like you should have revi- revised that tweet to be Yas Cyclorama. Um, I, I probably should have, but I think we're yeah. in a drag race off season. <laughs> so I wasn't in it at that point. Maybe that'll give you a clue in the timing. Ooh. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> the final tweet. <laughs> won't give it away at all. No, this won't give it away at all. Final tweet on, on our list. If Queen Latifah started mamboing at me, I would be terrified too. They're it's never going to guess it. It's not a sign of music. <laughs> it could be. Imagine if it was. I Imagine really enjoyed the tweets that you tweeted out during Queen the Latifah as as Captain Von Trapp mamboing through the sound of music. It would have been great, but where would Christian <laughs> Borle have been? Okay, who could That's he true. Have possibly have had to be? Gretel. Oh my God, what did I just say? Who could he Gretel. possibly have had to be? Who? Your English is stunning. Sorry, it's because I'm in Italian mode. Okay, te prego. If you liked Jimmy's <laughs> Italian accent or phrasing, you should review our podcast on iTunes. It really helps exactly. us out a lot. Please don't relate the review specifically to my Italian. No, um, do. Please leave us only a review in purely Italian. In purely Italian. I would like that, actually. Purely um, Italian. Um, or if you want to go purely Italian to us on Twitter, uh, you can uh, tweet me your Italian words at as in Hendrix, or you can hop over to my YouTube channel and see me there uh, where I'm speaking English. It's uh, <laughs> also as in Hendrix. Or you can tweet me in whatever language you like, Musical Mash on Twitter, Musical Theater Mash on YouTube. Uh, and we have a show Twitter, Jim and Tomic on Twitter as well. Yeah. Um, or you can hop along to our website, jimandtomic.com, which will link you nicely to our Reddit discussion where we have nice chats. And if you know this podcast well enough that you can recite our script for us at this point, you should probably be telling your friends about this podcast. Exactly. I hope people are like singing along at home. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah. Uh, anyway, that's all we've got time for today, guys. So we'll see you. See you. <laughs> next uh, Wednesday. Ciao. Ciao. See Ciao. Ciao. <laughs> Arrivederci. Hasta mañana. Oh, that's not Shut right. Shut up. like in a blue little thing and you squirt it in and it gets rid of all the soap scum and meat hey it's leslie Odom jr here on the broadway podcast network to tell you about the rise theater directory a program of maestro music rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Dot org because only together we rise.